a special Syzygy live performance. It's the great Syzygy Space Off. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. That was utterly spontaneous and really quite wonderful. Yeah. Very touching. Yes, well thank done, you. Well welcome, welcome to another edition of the Syzygy podcast. For our, our, it is very much like the O2 Arena in here, isn't it? Oh, I definitely. Um, I can't even see the back. It's look uh, in the upper tiers. Can you give us a give us a Mexican wave, please? That would be lovely. Thank you very much. Woo! Yeah, and I'm liking the mosh pit down the front here. That's Ooh, uh, yeah, getting a little yeah. bit out of control. Look, this is a very special edition of the Syzygy podcast tonight. Emily Brunsden, astronomer from the University of York, is going to be competing against me, Chris, just some dude, um, to try to out-compete each other in the realm of astronomy awesomeness. And we have three categories under which we're going to do that. So we may as well just kick straight into that, I think. Emily, right. yeah? Can I do my bit now? This, well, is, this is what I've been waiting for. In a sec, you need to kick us over to... All right. The category is the no, very no, no, first... No, 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 no sorry. I'm doing that wrong. Right, I'm doing it wrong. Category is. Is anyone getting the reference? Apparently, that's a yes, reference. Thank you. Someone for the up reference. the back is nodding and going, yes. It's drag queens or something. Ah, <laughs> oh dear. The category is unexpected. Tales of the unexpected. Things that are surprising about the universe. Now, um, did we actually put something together so that these people could respond as well? Yeah, yeah, we did. Did we? How yeah. did we do that? Which people? The people in the audience. Oh, yes, all of them. Yeah. 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 How can they tell us what their what their most unexpected things are? Oh. We were going we to do something. This is us making this shit up on the run. <laughs> we were going to do something where you guys could respond, but we might just have to wander around with a with a microphone and just ask you in a bit. So have a bit of a think about what would be your entry into this particular category. In the meantime, who's kicking us off? I think that's, that's me. That's isn't all it? you. All right. That one. Yep, so I'm going to kick you. this one off. Now you're going to need to pay attention because you're going to be voting for this. We're going to go by category by category. I'm competing against Emily. I'm not an astronomer. She is. Yeah, One okay. of us knows what we're talking about. It may be that I throw to Emily every once in a while. But I had to think, and I tried to think about what was the most unexpected thing that I'd come across in the realm of astronomy in the last little while. And I came up with this. Anyone know what we're looking at up here on the, on the screen? And for those of you listening at home, I know that, that podcasts are an audio medium. We have figured that out after a year. But we are going to be putting up pictures on the podcast and in the show notes. So it'll be there. You can have a look and play along at home in real time. Does anyone know what we're looking at? What is that? Anyone? It's a big orange blur in the sky. Come on, there's got to be an astronomer in the room. Well, pretty much. It, we are looking right towards the centre of the Milky Way galaxy there. Emily, what, um, what, would, what, what frequency would we be looking in in that, in that picture? Well, Chris, if you're going to ask me, it looks a little bit red. It does, but that could be false colour. We don't know. Well, I would say this is far infrared, if I'm going to be Far infrared, yeah. you could be right. Either that or the sky is on fire and we're all going to die. Either way, we're looking in the far infrared towards the centre of the galaxy. Now, that's not unexpected. We know we're in a galaxy, the Milky Way. We can see it when we go outside at night. But a bunch of astronomers went out and measured signals of different kinds of molecules in the centre of the galaxy. Because it turns out that not only can you see light that's coming and go, oh, there's a lot of stuff there, but you can actually figure out what some of that stuff is. You can look for the signatures of different elements, different molecules quite complex molecules. And so probably one of the simplest things that you could look for in the centre of the galaxy would be the signatures of things like hydrogen and helium. The universe is full of hydrogen and helium. What proportion of the universe? I'm going to be doing this all night, throwing shit at Emily because she 99. knows 99.99. 99.99. 999. Is what? Nine, nine, nine. Lots nine. of nines. 99 hydrogen. point lots. Hydrogen. And then there's a tiny bit of helium. And then what do we call it? Uh, Everything uh, else is just... Yeah, star poo. It's DARPU. Episode, hashtag. One, <laughs> one of did. our previous episodes on, on, uh, on DARPU. On DARPU. But in this case, in this case, they were uh, looking for the, the trace of more organic chemicals and came across the trace of a, of a, of a molecule called ethyl formate. Does anyone know what ethyl formate is? It does sound like alcohol. In fact, it's one of the key. Uh, sort of fumy alcohols that comes from rum, but also is one of the one of the uh, the chemicals, one of the molecules that gives raspberries their distinctive raspberry flavour. And so the centre of the Milky Way galaxy smells like raspberries and tastes like rum. 
That's my first entry into tonight's Space Off. Emily, got any comments on that one? Does that sound right? I think to we need you? to start looking for these space pirates that have lost all their rum. <laughs> I mean, I, li- I love the idea of travelling to the centre of the galaxy and going, I don't know about you, I'm getting kind of pina colada raspberry rum drink here. But that can't be real, right? That's not. Well, yeah, it is real in the sense that. Like, this is clickbait. <laughs> the the sure. molecules exist. Whether you want to stick your nose out and smell them <laughs> is another question. Yeah, they would be fairly dispersed, I guess. So you're probably not actually smelling it. But is there a point? I mean, why do we care that raspberries and rum flavouring are in the centre of the galaxy? Well, we care a lot about what the galaxy is made of, right? Because we want to know where ultimately we come from, and we come from some place in our galaxy that has stuff, right? So a huge project in astronomy... Raspberries and rum. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe we're not raspberries and rum. No, no true. Well, unless I've had a very good night. Yeah. Then, um, so what we are looking for is a process called um, galactic archaeology where we're trying to nail down where lots of different molecules have come from, where lots of different chemicals that are in stars have come from because you can only get these really complex things after lots and lots of generations of stars have come and then they've died, and then they've ejected all the stuff that they've made throughout their lifetime back into the galaxy. New stars have been born out of that stuff. So you get this um, process, which is called chemical enrichment. It means that every successive generation of stars has more and more of these interesting molecules and stuff in it. Which is really kind of funky, I think. We're really, really good at recycling. And the, the... The researchers who did this, they acknowledged that, yes, it was clickbait. Of course, if you have a, have a, uh, have a press release that goes out that says, the centre of the galaxy tastes like raspberries and smells like rum, or the other way around, we're not entirely sure. Um, of course, that's going to get much more press than it's got ethyl, what is it? Bloody ethyl formate in it. They know that that's going to get a bit more interest. But actually, what they're really looking for is the signature of complex molecules like the nucleotides that might then combine together to form the sorts of molecules that could form the basis for life. So if you can go and find that sort of thing, then you're looking in the right kind of direction to find organic molecules and potentially life. So it's not just clickbaity headlines about raspberry, raspberries and alcohol. So that's my, that's my number one. Of Emily, course you went you. with that. Of course, of course I did. did. Let's kick off on that. All right, well, I've, I've got a um, guess what I am picture here as well. Okay. So this is my guess where, what this is picture. Um, look, I'm not an astronomer, but I'm going to go on, on a limb here. I'm going to say that's the Earth, Emily. Ooh, yes, but this is not the most terrifying category. What is the big black spot there? Fantastic. It is the shadow of the moon. And this is a really, really lovely picture because you don't normally see this from this particular perspective. But you get the shadow of the moon when a very, very important syzygy happens. Yeah, well uh, done. Drop uh, that one in. Yeah. Through, which is when three celestial bodies align, which means that you get the moon passing in between the sun and the earth. Wow. So this is the shadow of the moon. Now, you might be more familiar with seeing this uh, from this perspective, right? In fact, uh, you might see some uh, lovely media in front of you that have a very similar picture on it here. This is a bit like the logo for Syzygy itself. So this is a solar eclipse. And I've chosen this as my most unexpected because it turns out that in the sky, the sun is about half a degree in size, right? The moon is about half a degree in size. Coincidence? Yes. Definitely. What are the odds? Well, yeah, the sun is 400 times bigger, but it's 400 times further away. So there is no reason in this universe that these two things should be the same size as we see them. But they are. But they are. And, I mean, how close is that? Like, it, it's, like, sometimes... Because the moon's not always the same distance away from the Earth. I have learned that much. Um, and the Earth's not always the same distance away from the sun. And so sometimes, surely, the eclipse must be a bit bigger than it needs to be and sometimes it must be slightly smaller and it doesn't quite like is, is exactly, that exactly yeah so we have two different types of eclipse we have an annular eclipse which is when the moon's just a little bit too small to cover the whole sun and we have a total eclipse where it's big enough to cover the entire sun incidentally next big total eclipse Anyone? If you're planning your Anyone? next holidays it's in uh, july in south america oh that's right that's the one where we really need to get a lot of sponsorship um, so currently we have enough patrons on patreon.com to pay for this place for one evening. But if, if we can get enough to fly us to South America, wow, that'd be good. Anyone? 
Look, we'll leave that with you. I'm just, I'm just saying that'd be a really nice outcome from this evening. Um, is it a coincidence, though? I mean, really? Well, it is, because the moon doesn't have to stay where it is. In fact, it's not, right? The moon is moving away from us. Now, it's not because we smell or anything like that. It is because there are tidal forces going on. So there's an energy being lost out of the Earth-Moon system. Every time you have a tide on the Earth, some energy gets transferred to the Earth from the gravitational um, forces between the two objects. And then you get um, a bit of loss, and so the Moon moves a little bit further away. So what you're saying is that in some period of time in the future... um, they will all become annular eclipses. Is that the right Exactly. One? We annular won't get eclipses. total eclipses. And then eventually it'll just be, like, irrelevant. It's not going to Yeah. Happen. We're losing the moon by four centimetres every year. That's just careless. Yeah. Here I do have to make a confession, though. Yeah, go on. It's going to take about 600 million years for there to be no total eclipses. Well, okay. So it is utter coincidence that at this point in time when we're capable of here, being here talking about an eclipse that they are almost identical in size in the sky. Yeah, that, that's not true for any other planet in our solar system. Nice one. I like it. Okay, so moving on then to the first vote of the evening. Click us over, Emily. Ooh. Ooh. Now it's your turn. Get out your devices, everyone. Go to www.menti.com. And at home you can play along, but it won't make any difference because this is live. You get that, right? And what you need to do is when you go to menti.com, you need to enter the code 599653. That's 599653. And you get to vote for whether or not solar eclipses are... What category? The most unexpected. Most unexpected. What are the odds of that one? Or whether or not it's the fact that the center of the galaxy... Smells like rum and tastes like raspberries. Over to you. Uh, cue the, the, the music when I'm editing this podcast. It'll be something along the lines of... So, has everyone voted? I can see a few people with arms crossed. All right. Can we bring up the results? Um, well, should we do that at the end? Because I've got... I'll oh, that's true. Put Actually, it on the no, we do it at the end in, in, in grand uh, Bake Off style. All right. Yeah, yeah. So we now move on to... Otherwise, it would be just too unfair. You'd, you'd be too dejected because I'm winning. <coughs> Time to move on to the next category. The category is... No, category is... Oh, God damn it. I'm not... <sighs> terrifying... Which would be me in drag, so that's how it goes. The category is terrifying. The most frightening thing about the universe. Now, I believe you're going first on this I'm one. I'm going first. Woo! Okay. Actually, I think my picture's pretty terrifying. I don't, I'm not even really sure I have to say anything. Don't tell us that. Show it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. You win. <clears throat> so, um, son of death. Son of death. Son of death. What's, Do wanna, does what's anyone want to have a guess at what we have going on here? The end of days. Well, yeah, definitely. Thank you. That's a wonderful. That's a CME, a coronal mass ejection, also known as a stonkingly large solar flare. <laughs> and that's the official word. Yeah, you know, yeah. In a, um, I was about to say an industry. It's not really an industry. In a discipline in which you can have a telescope, a large telescope, a very large telescope, an extremely large telescope, <laughs> A, a, a just ridiculously large, an overwhelmingly large telescope, which then gets yeah. cancelled. Um, you can have a stonkingly large coronal mass ejection. Indeed, you can. Yeah. So this is something like a billion tons of charged particles leaving the surface of the sun. Right. I'm going to borrow your mic. We're going to go roaming. Because I want to tell you, or show you, how big the Earth is, right? You might think, okay, the Earth might be kind of this big. Is the Earth this big? No. You might think, is the Earth going to be this big? No. No, 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 no. no, no. How big is the Earth the on the scale? It's about this big on this scale. Holy crap. It's super tiny. You can fit a thousand Earths across the size of the sun, right? Right. And so compared to that enormous fireball of death? You're screwed. Right. Okay. So that's a f- like, this is an artist's impression, right? Yes. This uh, is well, no, no, this is a photograph. That's a photo. This okay. is a photograph. Right. So this is not, this could happen and everyone this, watch out. This, this actually did happen. happen. This is a photograph from August 2012. This was one of the biggest uh, coronal mass ejections that we have seen and that we have seen from space, from our um, Solar Dynamics Observatory, for example. This one here missed us by nine days. 
So, <laughs> do you know what that makes me think? It makes me think, so, so you're saying that this was taken by an observatory in space, a, a, a spacecraft which is looking at the sun and taking pictures of it. I now think that one day that spacecraft is going to take a picture like this and beam it back to no one. <laughs> because we're not going to be there to receive it. What would happen if we'd been nine days the wrong side of this? Well, the only other example we have in living memory yep. is something called the Carrington event. Right. Okay. And any time you have an event in astronomy, you know you're in trouble. Yeah, that's like usually a bad Like the Tunguska blast event of 1908 or whatever it was. So it's an event. The Carrington event. One you want to buy popcorn for. Yeah. Now, the Carrington event happened in 1859. And, and, and what happened? Well, not a lot. <laughs> because we didn't have much for it to happen with. Right. Okay. So what that means is, in 1859, we didn't have a lot of electricity. We certainly didn't have a lot of astronauts up in space. No. And we didn't have any uh, GPS satellites. We didn't have anything um, orbiting the Earth at that point at all, right? We barely had telegraph wires. But in 1859, when this was released, enough energy reached the Earth to power our entire energy needs for a million years. Get out of town. At current that's, consumption. That's insane. A million years. So if we had had astronauts in space and telecommunication satellites and iPhones and stuff, what, what would have happened? What would have happened if this had been nine days earlier? They'd be dead. Sorry? The astronauts would be dead. The astronauts would be dead. The satellites would be dead. All GPS would be gone. All Wi-Fi would be gone. And this is why it's the most terrifying. We would lose cats on the internet. <laughs> because there would be no more internet. But hang on, um, look, I'm actually seriously worried about this now. Like, this happens? This How often? This happens. Well, it happened in 2012, right? This yeah, but no, that doesn't answer my question. How often? Could it happen tomorrow? Or was 2012 just, look, we're fine for another 20,000 years? So Don't the sun goes into maxima, where we think a lot of these CMEs happen about every 11 years. Every 11 years? So about now to the next several years time we're coming back up into another solar maximum awesome right now. fantastic okay yeah enjoy yeah. your internet everyone that's been fun so well it's, it's a really really exciting because well not and exciting. your astronauts frankly enjoy your astronauts it's very They've very terrifying fun. so they had, they had no they has anyone told the international space station about this Oh, they know. So, <laughs> yeah. in 1859, we had 17 hours warning that this thing was coming, right? And actually, they had no warning because nobody knew what it was. It was just Carrington looked at it and was like, oh, that's kind of bright. So, what do they send up the message up to the International Space Station? Dive, dive, you can't. Yep. It doesn't Come work. Back. Come you back. can't. Go down. So the reason why we're not so badly affected here on Earth is because we've got an atmosphere, and the atmosphere protects us from a lot of these charged particles, um, mostly also through the magnetic field, right? Right. So the Earth has this wonderful magnetic field that um, isolates those charged particles and funnels them towards magnetic poles. So we would get also something like this, Ooh. which is rather nice. Although we'd only have 17 hours warning to prepare for our, our photography equipment and also to prepare to shut down every piece of electricity <laughs> that we use on Earth. Because in 1859 when this happened, the only thing that was really sort of um, big enough to pick up the charged particles, there was no power grids, there was no Wi-Fi. What had, they did have was telegraph poles. And telegraph operators in the US found that they could send messages coast to coast in the US during the Carrington event without turning on the telegraphs. Fantastic. I love, um, I love this dude down here. If, if this was actually during one of those events, he'd be going, check this out. Quick, Instagram. Oh, where's it gone? Instagram's disappeared. It's all disappeared. Okay. So, yeah, so you're the sun, the source of all our heat and light and everything we love about planet heat Earth. Heat and life and death. But also perhaps... I yeah. Okay. Well, right. That's your entry. That's I my like entry, it. Yeah. I am suitably terrified. Click me over. So this scares oh, me. Really? You had a graph. I know. You said no graphs, Chris. I never said no graphs. Look, the thing that terrifies me is this data. But let me take you on a little bit of a story here because I'm going to need to work up to this one. Does anyone know what we're looking at here? Um, this, is a, this is a very, very famous bit of data. I know you do. Shush. Uh, gentleman down in the middle here. What are we looking at? It is. It's a Hubble. It's Hubble's original. Well, I mean, you can see it up in the top there. You cheated. You no, 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 no. It's up in the corner there. Forget it. No points for you. Nil point. Um, it is the original data from about the, the late 1920s of Hubble, who was an astronomer who measured how quickly galaxies are moving away from it. It was galaxies, wasn't it? In the in the sort of yeah, local yeah, yeah. local yeah. group of galaxies. And he looked up and he measured them with telescopes and he went, they're going that way, and 
he found a relationship, which was that the further away things are, the faster away from us they seem to be moving. Which, on face value, might make you sort of go, eh, okay. And then you think about it and you think, oh my God, we're the center of the universe. And everything's moving away from us because we suck. And then you think it again and you think, that can't be true. What is going on? And the only other model that you can really come up with that explains this satisfactorily is that we're not the center of the universe. Nowhere is the center of the universe. But everything is moving away from everything else. Space itself, the very fabric of the universe, must be expanding. And this led to a complete shift in the way we view the universe, right? Coming out of Einstein's general theory of relativity, it was, you know, you, you apply those equations that, it, that he and a bunch of others came up with to describe the universe itself. And at the time, the general feeling, and certainly Einstein's feeling, was that the universe is static. Nothing is moving towards or away from each other on, on mass. Everything's going to stay the way it has been forever. And so that's how that works. Turns out that in his equations, that's not stable. It can't happen. It's either got to expand or the universe has got to contract. But staying stable is a little bit like having a ball on top of a Mexican hat. It's going to just roll one way or the other. It's got to do it. And so Einstein came up with what he then called his greatest blunder ever, which was, we'll just put in a fudge factor. We'll just put in another thing which keeps everything stable. There you go. Sweep it under the carpet. All good. Nobel Prize times two. Thanks very much. And, uh, and it was a bit later on when this came out that everyone went, no, wait. The universe really is expanding. Oh, my God. What does this mean? If you wind that story back, you get to a big bang. And suddenly our whole view of the universe changed. Now, that in itself is not terrifying. Please move me on. Next. So here are the possible Another ways graph. that this could go. It's not a graph. It's a diagram. There's a huge difference. There's a crowbar separation between the two. Here's the Big Bang. Forget all of this nonsense. Here's the Big Bang. And we're coming up through here. And this is roughly where we are here. And you can see the Hubble Space Telescope in there for scale. Um, what? No. Yeah. Did what? you get this from the internet, Chris? No. Look, shush. Now, here we are. We are expanding. And there's a number of different ways that this could go, depending on details about the universe that I won't bore you with. But we could either go expansion, 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 and then gravity is going, no, 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 pulling. Gravity is pulling everything together, and eventually everything stops and then comes back together. Started a big bang, ended a big crunch, which is a bit terrifying. But that'll be a very long way That's away. That's the people's so okay. vote for the end of the universe, by the way. Is it? It is, yeah. Most people's people like to have a big crunch. I think I've, just because I statistically it polled about six people. <laughs> we can do a poll on that in a minute, but we probably won't. Now, the, uh, another possibility is that the universe is just balanced, so that as it's expanding, but gravity's pulling it back and expanding, and gravity's pulling it back, and it just coasts and gets to this point where it just it expands forever, but it kind of just drifts off into a really dull future where everything just slowly but surely spreads out and it's really, really boring. And that's, I believe, known as the big chill. Is that right? The big freeze, the big something. Yeah. There's a word for that somewhere. It's, it involves big. It does. This one terrifies me because this is the only other possibility that we've got. So we've got big crunch, we've got coasting on forever, big chill. And then we've got what's known as the big rip. Please move me on. How many slices do you have? Just a few. You know, this isn't a lecture. I know, but I'm going to keep going anyway. Um, we found out about the possibility of this because back in the late 90s, the Hubble diagram was, that, that Hubble graph was updated because there were a bunch of astronomers, including a nice chap down in Australia by the name of Brian Schmidt, who, uh, who is now uh, Vice Chancellor at ANU in, in Canberra. He's a lovely guy. And he, he pays looked salary, at a whole bunch he? of what are called type 1A supernovas, which is, correct me if I'm wrong, because I only read this this afternoon, is where a white dwarf star in a binary sucking all the matter off its binary partner. So this is a really massive little white dwarf star, which is going, I'll have that, thanks very much, ripping all that matter off, and it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger until it gets to the point where it can't stay up anymore. It's not stable anymore. It collapses down and explodes as a massive explosive supernova, brighter than an entire galaxy. And it turns out that those are a really useful thing because they happen pretty much exactly the same way every single time. And so if you observe those, then you can go and have a look and see, well, 
if they are supposed to occur exactly the same way every time, then we can use that to figure out not only how far away they are, but we can use that to figure out how fast they're moving away from us. Next slide, please. What? This is... I know. Go with <laughs> me on this. Graph. Here's an updated graph. We're getting terrified now because here was sort of... Hubble was down here, really, really close. Bunch more supernovas out here looking pretty straight. Here's the new data from the late 90s. And I don't know about you, and this, this is a slightly different way of looking at the same data. This is the big crunch. This is situation normal. Everything just sort of spreading out Einstein style. This is the data which is kind of saying the universe isn't just expanding. It's speeding up. Now, the, the nice people who, got, who, who found all this data and published it, they got the Nobel Prize for this, which is great. But let's have a little bit of a think about what that means. It means that the, the space between everything is expanding and then expanding at an accelerating rate. That means it's getting faster, which means that in the future, the space between galaxies will continue to expand at an ever-increasing rate and eventually all the galaxies around us will disappear from view. But worse than that, it keeps going faster and faster and eventually all the stars in our galaxy will disappear from view. But even then, that's not enough. All the solar systems will then start to be pulled apart from the Oort cloud on the edge of our solar system inwards. Everything gets spread further and further apart until eventually there's just the Earth and the inner planets and the Sun. But no, it keeps going, accelerating more and more. And the Earth is alone by itself. No Sun anymore, no other planets. And it keeps accelerating down to the point where we are pulled apart atom by atom down to the very subatomic particles even the fabric of space-time itself gets ripped apart by the acceleration of the universe. What right. about you? I'm terrified of the future. Then again, it might not happen. But these guys got a Nobel Prize. So I take their word for it. What do you think, Emily? Have you got any more slides? No, that's it, I think. Oh, thank goodness. Move me on. Are we on? No, nope. right. we're up to voting okay. time. We're going to have a little break after this one so that you guys can refresh your glasses, and so can I. But in the meantime, Emily's just well, going to pull up another code. I'm going to give you the code, and then I'm going to also give you a joke. Oh, okay. I know, I know. I prepared some very, very fantastic jokes for tonight, guys. You should be excited. They came all the way from Google. <laughs> Why didn't the sun go to university? Why didn't the sun go to university? I don't know, Emily. Why didn't the anyone, sun anyone? go to Why university? Why didn't anyone? the sun go to university? Because it's a star? Because it's already got 15 million degrees. Time to move on to the final category for the evening. Uh, Emily, if you wouldn't mind kicking us along. Now, how do I say this? Category is. Category is. No, you to Australian. Category is. Australian drag queens. Has anyone seen Priscilla, Queen of the Desert? Adventures of Queen? You really must. If you haven't seen the film, you really must. Uh, there's a film note upstairs, actually, if anyone wants to go. No, enough of that. Category is inspiring. The most inspirational thing. And I think I'm kicking this one off. You are. And, Emily, I'm sorry. There are no graphs, but there are a few slides. So. I was told two slides maximum. Yeah, but I lied. <laughs> That was two slides maximum for you, not for right. me. I'm getting my drink. Clearly. Yeah, you may as well take a break. You could go for a run if you want to. Um, so what we are looking at here, and I'm going to need my notes on this one. Um, first of all, we are looking into the middle of an area of the sky called the Eagle Nebula. And right in the middle there, that been circled, if we could move along to the next one, oh, is That's is all this. you're going to show that slide for? Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I just want to set the scene. Now, you've probably seen this one before. These are the pillars of creation. Now, Emily, I could tell the gathered masses what we're looking at here, but, but I, I, I thought I'd test whether or not you know. <laughs> so, what, what are the, like, this is a hand reaching up into the sky. What are, we, what are we looking at here? Probably the most famous Hubble picture there is. It certainly is. In fact, so famous they went back and did it again. This is the newer version. The old version was impressive enough, but they went, nah, we can do that better. So, what, 10 years later or something, they went back and did it again. Yeah, this but was literally on the wall of my undergraduate astro lab. It lab, is yeah. fairly impressive. So, we're looking at a sort of star formation region, a star nurse, a stellar nursery. This is a stellar nursery, yeah. And 
What are the fingers? Okay, so you're seeing lots of colour coming in the background, the blues and the greens. That's all an ionised nebula. That's glowing clouds of gas. Now, the black stuff that you're seeing is basically dark stuff that's between us and that glowing cloud of gas that's much, much colder, much, much denser. So that's not the most inspiring thing. Just, that's just an example of the sort of thing that you look at and go, looks pretty cool, kind of looks like maybe the hand of God. So does this. Next. So here we are looking at, um, this is, I'd never heard of this. This is what's called a pulsar wind nebula. Do you know what a pulsar wind nebula is? Is it a wind nebula coming off a pulsar? Well done. Five points for Emily. Ten points for Gryffindor. Um, this is a pulsar wind nebula called PSR B1509-58. Oh, that one. That one. Remember that one? Yeah. Next slide, please, because if we zoom in on part of it, you get this. Which is, uh, which is in the X-ray. This is a Chandra X-ray image, I believe. And again, we've kind of got hand of God reaching out. And the reason I've put these in is because you can look into the night sky and feel like you really are seeing creation. You're, you're, you're seeing God's work, if that's your thing. And it's not really my thing. I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a God kind of guy. If that's your thing, that's totally cool. But it's not really my thing. But I tell you what does inspire me. What inspires me is the hand of God that shows you not only does God exist, but God has an opinion, really does care about us and has an opinion. Next slide, please. Where are you going with this, Chris? So here we are. This is... Uh, <laughs> This is in the Korean. This is the Karina. The high pitched laugh is a good the, sign, isn't the it? Karina, 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 Karina Nebula. Yep, yep, yep. I know stuff because I'm not an astronomer. Um, and just off to the to the side of this picture, I just wanted to show that because it's very beautiful. But Are just you off just to the side to show of this every pretty picture that Hubble ever took. Yes. Is that your strategy to win this? Yeah. Sorry. Is there more? What? <sighs> off to the side of this picture, there's a thing called a Bok globule. B-O-K globule. What's a Bok globule, Emily? It's a very, very, very dense cloud of very cold gas and yes. dust. Now, here's what it looks like. Right. Now, some people think that this looks a little bit like... You can sort of see a figure down the bottom here. There's some legs. It kind of almost looks a little bit like a sort of a Superman figure doing this. Like if you squint your eyes. Here's the arm coming up. It's kind of coming towards us like, like that. Yeah? Superman down here or a... Or a you know, superhero, a godly type figure, a mythological figure. And it's I'm getting a piano. Like that. But I've cut off the top deliberately for punchline purposes. Next slide, please. Because that's what it actually looks like. <laughs> and I think this is the most inspiring thing that I've ever seen in the cosmos because not only does it show that God really, really does exist, but she has an opinion about us and she's not afraid to show us. Very nice, Chris. Well done. It is known as the finger of God. And I think you can't get much more of a clearer message than that. Well, how to even begin? I don't know. Where how do you go from there? <laughs> Actual inspiration? I don't know. I might give it a go, actually. All right, give it a shot. I might give it a go. And I might also use Hubble. Ooh. Now, what have I got for you tonight? Pretty pictures of stars. It is taken by Hubble. Does anyone know what it's called? It's it, it's deeper than the deep. <laughs> deeper than deep. Doop, doop, doop. The very deep. The and, that's a good guess if you're in a, if you know how astronomers name things. That's an yes. excellent guess. <laughs> Yes, stonkingly <laughs> deep field. Yes, dear. Yeah, no, we we didn't have stonking uh, back on around there when uh, 2004 when this came out. We only had the word ultra at ultra this point. Deep yeah. So this is the Hubble ultra deep field. The now, unreasonably deep field. I'm going to convince you tonight that this is the most important image that humanity has ever taken. The most important photograph. More so than the God sticking his finger. More so than that. More so than the playable dot image. Okay. More so than the selfie that you last took and put on Instagram that nobody's liked. Big claim. Okay. Right. Because I want you to take your hand... And we're going to put it out in front of you, and I want to hold, you at, uh, hold your hand at arm's length, right? Everyone following at home, you need to do this too. Yep. Now, I want to imagine you're holding a pin. A pin? A pin. Because you're a Kiwi, so it's, it's not, not a pen. A, it's, it's not a pen. a pen or a pun. It's a pin. A pin yep. that you sew with. 
Yeah. Right. Okay. You can put a pin. Now, the head of that pin you're holding in your hand, that is bigger than this area in this picture that I'm showing you. In fact, it's about twice or three times as big as this picture. Wait a minute. A pin at arm's length, the head of the pin, the little plant bit on the end of the pin, is three times bigger than, than the Hubble Ultra sky. Deep Field. Okay. So this is a tiny, 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 tiny bit of the night sky. Right. What we did, okay, when Hubble went up, Hubble cost a lot of money, right? <laughs> it's got to pay for itself somehow. <laughs> Hubble cost an awful lot of money. And, and astronomers really love Hubble. We want, we want to use it. And Hubble time is some of the most fought after time on a t- space telescope, even to this day. Isn't right? that an MC Hammer song in the, in the 90s? Stop. Hubble time. Shut up, Chris. Let Emily talk. Okay. Right. Hubble is special. Really, really special, right? It's incredibly hard to get Hubble time, even now as an astronomer. So, what did we do when we set up Hubble? Well, we thought, let's look at a patch of the night sky that is smaller than a pinhead, that has nothing in it, not a single star in this piece of night sky. And we're not only just going to look at it, we're going to look at it for 15 days. Now, 15 days at several hundred thousand US dollars per night or per day on Hubble is a big investment, right? This is huge. All the astronomers around the world got really pissed off when this happened because they lost all their time. We spent 15 days taking this image. In this image, which is this tiny pinhead of night sky in the middle of fuck nowhere in the night sky. There are nothing, nothing, there's no stars, there's no nebulae, there's no pretty things in this bit of the sky. It's just black. But this image came back, and in this image are 10,000 galaxies. Almost every single point that you see in this image is a galaxy. You say almost every single. Oh, come on. (laughs) What? I'm just... You're going to pick out the ones that aren't now, aren't you? There's three. Go on. One? Yep. Because it's sparky and it's got bits on it. It's got diffraction spikes, yep. That's the word I was looking for, diffraction spikes. One. Can anyone point out another one? Where's the other? Other stars. Two more stars. I might have cropped them off. (laughs) I think you've cropped them. I think there's only one. You can tell it because it's got the spiky bits. Yeah. Yeah. Everything else, every tiny little dot that's only a pixel in size is a galaxy, right? So in this image there are 10,000 galaxies. And in those galaxies, we are looking back in time because the light from those galaxies has taken time to reach us. Light can only travel at the speed of light. It's like it knew that it could only do that because we call it the speed of light. It's almost like that was set up that way. It's amazing. It's amazing. So light travels really, really quickly, but over incredibly vast distances, we have to wait for light to get to us, which means as we look at this, we are looking back in time. And we are not just looking back at a little bit of time here, right? We are looking at back 13 billion years in time. Okay, Emily, how old's the universe? 13.6 billion years. And we're looking back 13 billion and the universe is only 13.6 billion years. That's most of the time of the universe, Emily. That's most of the time. In, now, and in a third of a pinprick. In a tiny pinprick. That's nice. In those 10,000 galaxies, each of those galaxies has... 100, 200, maybe 300 billion stars. Each of those tiny points, each of those stars probably has at least one planet going around it. Yeah, because we've, we've talked about that on, on past episodes of the podcast, that, that it seems to be now that we're finding exoplanets everywhere we look, that it's likely, on average, that every single star has an exoplanet, right? Yeah, so there's no reason to believe that's not true in any other galaxy, right? Right. We're just one of many. So of those 10,000, which have hundreds of billions of stars, hundreds of billions of planets in each single one of them, we are very, very small in a very, very, very large universe. I think you've got the category wrong. I think this is terrifying. <laughs> You've got this should have been in the terrifying one. Okay. I feel insig- utterly insignificant now. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like it. But <laughs> But let's think about this a little bit more then. In yeah. an almost infinitely large universe, which is basically what we're talking about here. The numbers are so big they might as well be infinite, right? I love how astronomers can talk about almost infinite. You know, just throw that around. <laughs> uh, close enough. In an almost infinite universe. Almost infinitely many things are possible. 
So? So we live on a planet where awful things happen. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with this. Are you, hang on. Are you saying that in this picture alone there could be like several hundred billion EU elections going on at the same time? Is that, there could, well, is there, that where you're going with this? sometimes the outcomes might be correct. Oh, right. I see. There is hope is what you're saying. <laughs> Because That's whatever, whatever we can dream about, whatever physics tells us is possible somewhere in the universe, the universe is so fucking big. <laughs> it probably yeah. is somewhere out there. As, as we keep talking about as time goes on, Emily, you know, really rare things like intelligent creatures doing intelligent things. If you repeat it often enough, it just might happen, and it could happen in this picture. So wow. every time life gets you down, just think, somewhere out there, life is going just swimmingly. Look to the Hubble ultra-deep field. I like it. So, fantastic. I think, I don't know. I mean, look, I think it's time to vote. And I think this one's pretty, pretty much an even, even toss, frankly. Look, you've either got... Oh, sorry, you're not done. Well, I was going to say, I'm going to dedicate the rest of this podcast to the Hubble Space Telescope. We've both used it extensively yep. in, our, in our imagery. Um, I mean, let's remember, this is the little telescope that could, right? This was the gamble. This was a billion pounds, um, so a billion US dollars um, when it was launched, and it's like several billion in today's money. Um, and remember, it didn't work, right? <laughs> we sent it up, and Hubble didn't work. It was a bit embarrassing, it wasn't was it? Brilliant. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't. I mean, we got it wrong, but we got it wrong by less than a hundredth of a human hair wrong. In, in what, like, what went wrong? What, the what mirror wasn't exactly perfectly the right shape, and it was by less than a hundredth of a hair, but it was completely wrong. Hubble's pictures were blurry. Astronomers around the world were very, very upset, and the public were not going to pay for any more <laughs> space telescopes ever again. But so, hell, let's send up the space shuttle to fix it, why not? Yeah, but we did. We went up and we fixed it, and the leg legacy of Hubble is huge. I probably wouldn't be sitting here today if it wasn't for Hubble. It was the pictures of the Eagle Nebula, the pillars of creation, that drove me into astronomy. And that story must resonate with hundreds, if not thousands, of other people in all science disciplines, not just astronomy, right? Astronomy, as my, my co-host uh, Chris likes to tell me, is a gateway drug into science. It is. It's true. Absolutely true. And Hubble has made a huge impact on that. So I think I'm just going to take yeah. a pause and just say, well, you know, thanks, Hubble. You've done a fantastic job. Yeah. Let's, let's hear it for Hubble. Not bad for a, for a toilet roll covered in alfoil, frankly. <laughs> it's uh, well done. Well done, Hubble. Yes. So it is time to vote. And I look, to me, it's, uh, it's pretty even toss-up, frankly, between the, the big finger from God and <coughs> Emily's in, incredibly powerful tale of our place in the universe but look up to you totally up to you so go and vote vote for whether you think emily's incredibly inspiring inspirational story is is good or whether my total piss take is is worth the vote up to you totally up to you um that brings us to the end oh, of our I've three got categories some more jokes. Emily has jokes. We're going to need to, to sort of gather a few of the results and make some announcements and find out whether or not anyone's made any interesting entries of their own. Yeah, so, okay. Um, I'll, I'll leave you on, on my second best joke okay. out of four for the All evening. Right. Go for it. All right, okay. Why is the moon always hungry? I don't know, Emily. Why is the moon always hungry? Because it's only full once a month. <sighs> Do your students really like these? Do they... My, rate, my ratings are amazing, you should see. Yeah. You know, rate my profits just through this roof. That's I, I think they're mostly just... That's before the marks come out, right? <laughs> if that's we vote for you, Emily, will you shut up? Yeah, please, God. Okay. Have you got more? Do we need to I've get got, more I've out of the I've got two way? more, but I'm, more? I'm saving them. All right, okay. Yeah. So we just brought up your contributions to the evening. Unexpected. You could find a lake big enough Saturn would float in it. Well, that is fairly, fairly unexpected. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have thought that. I didn't. I, I thought that was more of a hypothetical than an actual. Yeah, has that experiment been done? Um, no, but I think we're going for bathtubs. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is this is the fact that Saturn is the only planet in the universe that could float in a bathtub or a lake if we could find one that was big enough. Um, inspiring, Emily. No. One of yeah. her students is in the audience, yeah, clearly. I'll, um, I'll, I'll get that money to you later, guys. The most unexpected property of the universe is its very existence. Why are we here? Question mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. That's a really good question. And 
I was discussing with someone earlier um, the fact that we haven't found intelligent life, well, anywhere in the universe, actually, frankly, including here on Earth. Um, <laughs> but the fact that we haven't either means that it's not out there or it is out there and we just haven't found it yet. My suspicion, though, is that it is out there, it has found us, and it's avoiding us with a very wide berth. I think there is intelligent life, and they're just getting out of the way. I just think it's way. saying, oh, isn't it sweet? It's the little baby civilization, and they're still <laughs> trying to figure out how to run politics. Yeah, but it's angry. It's angry. <laughs> Keep it away. Put it in a box. Unexpected fraction of matter compared to dark matter. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we don't know what, what is it, 95% of the universe is? 75% is dark energy, which is the whole expanding universe bit. 20, 25%, or no, it can't be 20%. right because that's 100. 20% is dark matter, which we still don't know what it is. And then the remaining slightly less than 5% is this stuff, which is us. Gee, and we've done well. 1% of that is actually stuff we can really engage with. Yeah, we've done well, frankly. Well done all. Inspiring that astronomers have found out so much and that there is still so much to learn. I'm putting that on my next grant application. I'm, I'm, I'm taking that entirely on myself, frankly. I'm, I'm the one who's learning the most through these podcasts. I don't know about anyone else. Unexpected. Time is relative. Time passes slower near a large mass compared to other frames of reference. Has anyone seen the film Interstellar? Right? Only watched the first 30%. Yeah. Where, where do you, <laughs> you think... Just turn it off after Where that. do you think Interstellar falls off a cliff, Emily? What, at what part? Get, oh, is it where they cross the event horizon and go into the black hole, which yeah. is made out of bookcases? I mean, I was so excited bookcases? about going into the black hole, because when you go into a black What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You become spaghettified, and that's a legit physics word, spaghettification. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get strung out into a tiny line of atoms, and I thought, this is amazing, they're going to become spaghetti. No, in, instead they just... Ended up in a bookcase. In an enormous bookcase made out of piano wire. But part of it is, like, they had actual physicists working on the film Interstellar. and Who the quit bit, most of the way through, Well, clearly. there is that. But <laughs> when they went near the black hole and then some of the astronauts went down to the planet closer to the black hole and then came back again, the dude who was left behind on the spacecraft had aged, what, how long was it, like 10 years or something? And he had a big beard. Why he wasn't carrying a machete and killed them instantly is a massive plot hole. I think if you've been waiting there for that amount of time for your fellow astronauts to come back, you would be homicidal. I don't know. That's just me. Well, we uh, already have another movie about that. It's got Tom Cruise in it. Is it? I haven't seen in, that one. In a ball, in an island. No, missed that one. Oh, okay. No. Wilson? No. Oh, that's not Tom Cruise, though. That's Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. Sorry, sorry. The other Tom. Tom. The other one. The other Tom. I've got too many friends. The one who told. isn't a nut bar in real life. <laughs> the other one. He's a lovely guy. Lovely guy. Um, so th those are those are a few of your a few of your responses. Thank you very much for that. But I think we need to get on to some actual right. scores because yeah. I want to know who won. I want to know whether my rank ignorance, but thinking I'm funny, matches up to your actual knowledge of the universe. So let's go with category one, most unexpected. What? Emily wins. Oh, come on. Does it give us scores? It just says you win. No, so you don't have to feel sad about how few votes you actually got, Chris. I want to think that that was really, really close. Are you guys seriously telling me that an eclipse beat rum and raspberries? <sighs> come on. All right, category two. Right. Come on. We're off to Chile. Time to, time to claw this one back. Come on, people. Don't let me down here. You can do it. Most terrifying. I mean, surely. Surely. I've got this one in the bag. Solar flares versus the big rip. What? No. Hang on. Look, I'm going to go through this again. Look. Right? Did you not understand the first time? The whole... You forget it. You know? You people are dead to me. I'm sorry, but cats. Cats. You people are cats. dead to me. Seriously. Well, I want to think that was really close. All right, it's, it's and it was just one of your point, students who Chris. got it over. All right, well, can I can I get point. a little bit at the end, just a little bit of pride back with the most inspiring of the big middle finger of God? No, no, Emily wins that one too. Three for three. Please give it up for Emily Brunsden, the actual astronomer. Three out of three. Gets to wear the official Syzygy Space Up crown for the evening. Now, can I tell you a little bit about this crown? Because this uh, took me... A, 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 can a I stop you? Eight minutes to me? No. <laughs> so, um, I've got a nebula on this crown. It is a special nebula. It is called... 
Can you guess? No. Crown. I'm pouting. Crown. Crown. The Crown Nebula. Close. Corona. The Corona. Crown. Yeah. And it's Corona Australis. The Corona Australis. Oh. So not only have you beaten me, you've made me homesick as well. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks for that. Well done. But well done to everyone who voted. Congratulations. And thank you. Correctly. Thank you to (laughs) vote correctly. Get stuffed. Bloody Kiwis. Now listen. Thank you all so much for coming and joining us here tonight. It really means a lot to us. Um, We've been recording this to send out to our millions of listeners around the world. But actually, we are York-based, and it's the sort of thing that we love doing here in our hometown of York, is to get get a few people out to just share in the fun and the joy of looking up at the skies and trying to figure out what the hell is going on. So thank you for coming along. Thank you hugely to the people who have supported tonight, everything from our Patreon supporters through to the University of York and the Pint of Science team who helped us to sort of piggyback off the end and didn't mind so much when we called ourselves their fringe. Um, Otherwise... Two more jokes. (sighs) Right. Emily, what's your first of your last two jokes? All right, okay. Go on then. Okay, this is good. This is good. This is celebratory. Yep. Where would you go in the universe to find a black hole? I don't know, Emily. Where would you go in the universe to find a black hole? Well, you've got to start with a black sock. (laughs) Yep. And your last joke of the... She won tonight. Can I just point out, Emily won tonight. Do you... You people don't know what you... Okay, Emily, come on. All right, okay. It's related to what you were talking about You're just encouraging her. You know that. It's about aliens. Yep. Good, good, good aliens. Go on. All right. So why haven't the aliens come to visit us here in the solar system? I don't know. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Not the European election, well, although you could be forgiven for thinking so. It's because they've read the reviews and we only have one star. Oh, God. It's not too late. You can go and retract. Retract your votes, people. I'm taking a moral victory tonight just because of how bad the jokes have been, despite your applause. Thank you all very much for coming. You've been a fabulous audience. If anyone out there in listener land or indeed here in the room wants to continue listening to us rambling on about absolute astronomical nonsense. You can follow us at Syzygy.fm and find us as at SyzygyPod almost anywhere on the internet. Otherwise, pretty much that's it for the evening. Thank you very much and I expect a huge round of applause because we're recording this and you want this to go out there in for posterity. Thank you very much for coming. We really appreciate it.